Welcome back. Hello, welcome. Welcome back. Welcome to another episode of the Guys Telling Stories podcast. I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. And Bill, it is early in the morning. This is not a good thing. <laughs> That's right. We're up a little early today. We're meeting our guests for coffee. And uh, and Bill, you look a little uh, look a little tired and sore. What's up? Mm-hmm. Uh, hockey at a hockey game. Oh yeah, late late night. Yep, late night. Uh, too old to be too to be doing this. Uh, I'm on the ground a lot. Uh, Everything hurts. You're only as old as you feel, right? Yeah. So I'm 78. <laughs> He's feeling pretty old. Those of you that don't know. Yeah. Well, we're up early to meet our guests for coffee, but before we get too far into that, I just wanted to tell you, as always, you can. Find us online at guystellingstories.com. Very important. Our website. And uh, we're on Twitter also, Guys Tell Stories. Facebook page, Guys Telling Stories. And uh, yeah, we appreciate all your support that you've given us so far. And thank you. Yeah. And speaking of the support so far, again, talked about it a few times already, but head on over to guystellingstories.com and click on that support the show link. Yeah. We've got this uh, little page where you can mm-hmm. show your support for us. We do this for free. We really appreciate it. Yep, we do. And there's there's a bunch of different things you can do there. Also, um, we do have a we do have a sponsor already. We'd like a few more, and, and there's different levels that you can support us at. And in return, we'll we'll do some things for you. Mention you uh, mention you and your company in an, in an episode, and uh, Rich holds up signs and with your name on it. Is yeah. that one of them? <laughs> Hey, it's a cool page. <laughs> Definitely check out what we offer you because we, we tried to get creative with it. So again, hit up the uh, support the show link at guystellingstories.com. But let's uh, let's get on to our guest, Bill. Joe List. Joe List. You might remember the name from Last Comic Standing. He was on Conan O'Brien, I think, not too long ago. I remember seeing him on David Letterman. And what's cool about him is, uh, you know, any comedian really, it's they're artists, but they're they're the type of artists that are performers and and creators. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you might have a musician who can just wail on the guitar, or you might have like somebody who's a beautiful dancer or singer. But you got these comedians, and they create all their own jokes, and then they go perform them. And there's no instrument, you know nope. what I'm saying? There's town no, to town. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a it's a unique art, and it's uh, it's really cool when you uh, kind of crack that headliner status and uh, and they're touring all over and getting people showing up just seeing you. So we're excited. You know what's cool about him too is he's one of those guys we talked about in the very beginning. You know, not only did he take the first thousand steps, you know, a little bit of a risk taker. This is what he wanted to do with his life. But you know, again, he's that type of guy who took those last 20 steps to that mic and he's out there every night and uh he's making people laugh he's in town he agreed to meet us for over over coffee so we're gonna head to a coffee coffee place that sounds like a great idea yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you know what it'll be uh, it'll be interesting too i bet we'll hear some uh you know some blenders in the background people lattes little kids screaming but it'll oh, be no. it'll be good so let's uh let's go talk to joe list let's do it all right, guys, welcome to another episode of the Guys Telling Stories podcast. I'm Rich Douglas. I'm Bill Easton. And guys, we are extremely excited to be sitting down with an amazing comedian, Joe List. Joe, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. This is great. It's nice to know that it's like a professionally done show. Sometimes you say yes to these things and it's like a guy 
in his mother's basement and there's no sound equipment or no computer. You guys have a real computer and microphones. <laughs> and it's a real thing we're doing here. Joe List, famous comedian. He's been on uh, multiple shows. A finalist on the Last Comic Standing, Last Comic Standing show? Was that this past summer? That was this past summer, yeah. Yeah, I was a finalist. Famous is... Very relative. Uh, <laughs> You're famous, Josh. I'm uh, successful, certainly, but uh, famous is tough. But yeah, I was the finalist of the last comic, which was great, and a great experience. You know, when people look you up online, they're going to probably be able to see, I know you've done uh, the David Letterman show right yep. before that went off, Last Comic Standing recently. I think you're recording an album right now for Comedy Central, right? Yeah, as we speak. When will that be uh, released tentatively? I think summer. That's what they said, summer. So I don't know if that's June. I imagine we should be able to turn it around by June, so. Yeah. Um, well, before we get too far into it, why don't you tell people where they can find you online, you know, social media? Uh, at Joe List Comedy on Instagram and Twitter, and then um, Facebook Comedian Joe List. Instagram is my favorite of the uh, social media. You're the so. second person to say that, yeah? Oh, I'm ripping it on Instagram. <laughs> We're still trying to get the hang of the Instagram thing, because I'm like, Bill, you need to take more pictures of your food, I guess. I see a lot of food. I've been doing it. I just don't eat much. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I know. I bring the heat on Instagram. I got a lot of sunsets and mountains and oh, all this stuff. Are you getting a lot of love back? I do. Yeah, I get a lot of love. It's really nice. I, yeah. yeah, it feels good. It's oh. my favorite uh, medium. Awesome. Well, you know, what we like to do is bring people back to the beginning. Um, what I'm hoping for is someone's on the elliptical working out, like I said, cutting the grass, driving in a car, and they go, oh, I, I, I got to catch up on that podcast. And they go, okay, they, comedian, uh, Joe Liss, I, I wonder what he's all about. So maybe you can take us back, like way back. Let's say you're, you know, 16, 17 years old. You say, I, I think I might want to do comedy for a living. Uh, what's going through your mind? What was that like? Yeah, I started, I mean, I wanted to do comedy really early because I kind of, I mean, I was born in 82. So I was like, came up towards the, the, the comedy boom. I was like a little kid during like, oh, yeah. the VH1, A&E. And uh, it sounds made up, but I used to watch like A&E, Evening the Improv. They would play it in the morning and I would like eat my cereal before school watching, watching comedians, comedy. Yeah. yeah. And my uncle introduced me to um, like HBO comedy, George Carlin and stuff. And I remember being like third grade and like memorizing George Carlin, Carlin doing it again. And then uh, I remember like I had like the VHS taped off of HBO. One time I put it in at like my parents' house, and my dad started watching. He's like laughing. He's like, "This is great." <laughs> and my mother came in. And she's like, "What the hell's going on here? What are you watching with our nine-year-old son?" <laughs> Turn this off. Um, so I, I kind of wanted is. As early as I knew it was kind of a, I mean, I wasn't, I was nine or 10, so I, was, I also wanted to be a baseball player at the same time, but I definitely loved comedy and was like, that would be a thing I wanted to do. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about, because when we were getting ready for this, I was like, you know, when I was nine, 10, 15, 16, I was into sports and I was like, you know, I bet I'm going to grow a lot taller. I'm going to get super muscular. I might be a football player. I might, you know, you have these dreams. Did mm -hmm. you, uh, did you want to be something when you, you were? You know what? Well, obviously I, I wanted to play hockey. My parents steered me away from hockey at a young age because yeah. it was dangerous so that always you know once you can't do something you always want to do it yeah see hockey is your George Carlin that's right <laughs> that's right and uh, you know eventually I got to play and, and for considering I didn't really play ice hockey till I was 16 did probably as much as I could yeah. uh, with it because you got to learn how to skate normally when you're a little younger to be successful but comedy too like it, it was always a hobby I always think I'm funny whether I am or not that's a, that's a different story but the uh, Rodney Dangerfield his stand-ups, Eddie, Eddie Murphy, when they first started coming out, the older people to me, I was younger, and I enjoyed listening to them, and they were they, they tickled me inside. There was something about it that, that not only was it funny, funny, but it was something that stuck with me. And, sure. You know, when am I going to come into a situation where I can use that? Right, right. So. I, I think it's special 
no matter what you where you come from, like just watching somebody, one person talk to a bunch of people and make them laugh is a really like uh, neat thing to see. Especially when you're a kid, it's kind of mind blowing. Like that's wild to me. Yeah, people think of teachers like that. There's always that one teacher that isn't afraid to jump on top of a table, right, right, like, scream like science is great, and you're like, I don't really like science that much, but I like this guy. Yeah, I think a lot of comedians, myself included, a lot of comedians, if you ask them what they would do if they weren't a comedian, I think most of them say teacher, or really? not most of them, but I think a lot of them say teacher. When you said there's always like like Bill's hockey was George Carlin, I, I think we're about the same age, and I re just remember how fast. Maybe I was younger, but how fast I would hear about somebody and then they would have their own sitcom. I remember hearing right. about uh, Jim, I think it was Jim Brewer. All of a sudden I hear he's getting a show with Tim Allen. I remember seeing Tim Allen. He had the number one movie, I think it was Santa Claus. He had yeah. his number one book and he had his number one TV show, Home Improvement. Right, and right. When we were about, you know, 16, 17 years old, all of a sudden, everyone's like getting super famous by doing comedy. Yeah, it, yeah, it's fascinating. But now it's so different because everything's so splintered. There is no like number one anymore. Every TV show is it's a million of them, so it's weird. Well, where were you living when you first got your start in comedy? How old were you? All that? I lived. Uh, my parents. I lived in Whitman, Massachusetts, which is where I grew up, which is about 35 minutes south of Boston, right next to Brockton, the city of champions. Nice. Home of Rocky Marciano. South Brockton. And marvelous Marvin Hagler. But uh, yeah, I grew up in in Whitman, and I, I just always wanted to do it. And through high school. I always thought, well, when I graduate high school, I'll start doing comedy. And then looking back, I could have been doing it while I was in high school. But everybody, everybody always regrets not starting earlier. Yep. I started when I was 18. I still wish I started earlier. Yeah, as soon as I graduated, I kind of just didn't do anything for like a few months and wanted to do it and was just too scared. And then uh, the work of Bruce Springsteen really fired me up. I was oh, yeah? like, you know, born to run and thunder. And I was like, I got to live, baby. Nice. And so uh, I was walking through Boston one day. And I saw like a sign that said open mic. And so I just went there. And it was this place called Chops Lounge, right next to Fenway Park. It's not there anymore. And it was like the truest open mic I've ever seen. It was like literally there'd be like drug addicts up there. The bartender would go on. Oh, it was wow. crazy. And it would just go all night it, as long as people kept showing up. And so there was like maybe like nine real comedians and then a bunch of crazy hobos and maniacs and drunks. And it was <laughs> great. Fun. It was amazing. And I had just graduated. So I had, and that was kind of like a, I was a good kid. I never drank or did drugs yeah. or anything. I was just kind of like this. 18-year-old nerd kind of thrown in with all these adults and uh, I loved it immediately because it was kind of a weird almost like a sideshow situation and it was yeah. really great I loved Sounds it. Sounds like a, a situation where you also can't fail. Yeah, yeah, it was really... And, well, that's kind of cool, yeah. Yeah, and I remember right away like this guy that hosted named Larry Lee Lewis who would do all, he'd play piano who's kind of a combination of Jerry Lewis and... Uh, who am I thinking of? Uh, like, oh, Jerry Lee Lewis. Yeah, so he yeah. would, uh, there you go. Yeah. Um, I was thinking of a different name. So anyway, so I would go on, and this guy, Larry Lee Lewis, he handed me his card after my first set, and he's like, that was great. He's like, check out. And I remember being like, I'm in showbiz. I was like, I got Larry Lee Lewis's card, and I went home, and I was like, on top of the world. Oh, that's great. It's amazing, because back then, the longer you do comedy, the less effect it has on you doing well. Like, back then, you'd have a good set, and for like a month, you'd feel great. Now I have like the best set of my life, and I feel great for about 15 minutes. Yeah, what are you I'm doing like, tomorrow? Yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh, God, I should kill myself. But, um, yeah, so I started there, and I would go every Wednesday. It was a Wednesday open mic, so I'd go every Wednesday for like a year, and eventually someone was like, you know, there's a Sunday show. It never occurred to me to do more than that show. Right, right. So you get in that comfort zone. And so then I started going every Sunday and every Wednesday, and then it became every day, and just became an obsession. Yeah, you know, with uh, bringing it back to, for me, for sports, it's like you have these practices every single day after school, but, you know, with something like comedy, you're not going every single day after school, you're doing it once a week, and then all of a sudden twice a week. I, I give you a lot of credit, though, because I bet there's a lot of people out there that don't try it till they're 25, 26, Definitely, yeah. 27. 
So you think you had an edge a little bit? Not an edge, but a, uh, like a, an advantage over people that got a later start? Yeah, I, th I think it helps. I mean, I, I still didn't find success until I was like 13 or 14 years in, but yeah. it definitely helps because whenever you do, you're still, I mean, I'm 33 now and I've, I have some success. So people still look at me as kind of a young headliner or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, it definitely helps to start early. I mean, anything, I think the earlier you start, the better you'll kind of be. But a lot of people also, you know, whatever your path is, is your path. So like some people just were too drunk or crazy or they were having a kid or they were doing whatever. So it kind of, it all sort of works out, I think. Yeah. You know, you think of, we talked about teachers or those coaches. There's that person that sort of encouraged you to keep going. Or yeah. likewise, that first person that told you you suck and discouraged right. you. Was there anyone in particular that you have in your, on your path that you remember? Hey, this guy, this girl said... You know, keep doing this. Besides Jerry Lee, <laughs> Larry Lewis. <laughs> Larry, Lewis yeah. Larry Lee Lewis. Um, yeah, there was a lot. I've been like unbelievably blessed with a lot of support and like a great uh, people around me, and I've met so many nice people that have been encouraging. A few. Things, I remember my grandfather, uh, who's dead now. Thanks for bringing it up. Uh, <laughs> no, okay. Uh, I remember he like kind of sat me down and talked like real early because I didn't go to college and I, you know, and I didn't have like a regular. I wasn't really pursuing a normal career, and so. I would go to comedy at night, but during the day, I was just kind of a bum. Like, I would sleep until, yeah. you know, 1 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> and I remember, like, people were kind of like, what's up with Lee? He's, a, he's becoming a bum, and he has so much potential. But I remember my grandfather being, like, like getting down on a knee, like, real grandfathery, and just being like, you know, keep pursuing. I think it's great what you're doing, and it's amazing. And so that was really helpful. And then comedy-wise, I remember the first, like, you know, year I was doing it, I was kind of performing to the audience there. The open mic I would go to was a lot of like middle-aged guys and stuff and these okay. weird kind of towny drunks. It's because it's like a dive bar. And my friend Artie Januario, who's a, still a comedian, we started at the same time. He's much older. He, st he was in his 40s when, when you started. Out, yeah. But we became buddies. And I remember him saying like, he's like, you're great, but he's like, but stop trying to be a 50-year-old guy. He's like, you're just perform, do 18-year-old stuff. He's like, stop trying to perform to the audience. And that really helped me because that's what I was doing. I was trying to make these guys laugh. Yeah, you're right. So I'd be like, oh, boy, whatever I was talking about. But he's like, talk about, you know, Pearl Jam or whatever the hell you do. <laughs> whatever that 18-year-old <laughs> does. He's like, yeah. pimples or whatever the hell. And so that was really helpful. And then, uh, so a lot of people definitely uh, helped and were super encouraging. Yeah. That's cool that your grandfather encouraged you. Because there's a lot of people from that generation who would sit down and get on one knee and say, you have an opportunity to go to college and you are blowing it. Son. Right. Yeah, that's what was amazing. I think a lot of people maybe... My whole family, especially my parents, if they ever had any doubt, they never expressed it to me, which I really appreciate. Which yeah, is thanks nice a lot, Mom and Dad. Yeah. So if they did that, it was behind my back, which is nice. They were always very encouraged, and they would come to shows real early and um, lend me money, even though they didn't have any money, which I didn't realize at the time, and now my parents are broke, and I realize I'm like, oh. Because <laughs> when I was young, my parents were very good at not letting us know that we were kind of middle class or lower middle class, and they were just, I, I never wanted for anything. And then you realize, and I'm like, oh, we must have money. And then you're like, oh, shit, we have zero dollars. Well, yeah. They're just giving the me same their way. money. And Maybe you're that's like, why wow. you weren't encouraged to go to college. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, that's what I used to do a joke about that. I'm like, the way I see it, I saved them like 20 grand a year. So You sure did. I remember um, growing up, I uh, bought our first house. And I was like seven or eight years old. And we were so excited, but we moved in the winter. So all of a sudden, we come back. Uh, you know, outside in my, my memory, we just the snow melts, we go outside to go play, and we're in the poorest neighborhood you could imagine. Right, right. My dad goes, well, here's the plan. We're going to fix the house up, we'll sell it in a year, and then we're, we're going to move to, you know, the suburbs or something. Right. And I think nine years later, we end up finally moving to the <laughs> suburbs. I mean, I'm uh, starting high school. But I was a really fast runner. As a result, I was really—I uh, right. <laughs> loved basketball. I 
it, I had the epiphany when we finally moved there that yeah, we don't have any money either. Right, right. Yeah, see, we, we had like a good life, and I don't want to I don't want to give the wrong impression that we were in the projects or anything, but like it was like a thing of like uh, when you realize you're like oh we're they're like paycheck to paycheck uh, yeah. you know kind of situation. Um, but uh, yeah, so most very, people probably still out there paycheck to paycheck, believe it or not. It's yeah. Like, I'm, Nobody's living off their uh, passive income that I know. Right. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking to my buddy. I have a very... I, my, my rent is like $580 a month, so I have uh, I have four roommates, and my bedroom is 14 feet by 7 feet. I don't want you guys to think I'm... <laughs> you got but, a nice little bed. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So, But I'm saving money because of that, and I was talking to my buddy, and I was like, yeah, I got some money in the bank, and he's like... He's like, that's more than anybody in America has. I'm like, oh, I have more money in my savings account than anyone in America has. Because I pay $500 a month in rent and have no car and no health insurance, so I'm just saving this money. Um, <laughs> so like, I'm like, I'm like, I got to do better. And then I'm like, oh, I guess I'm doing better than most of America. So, yeah, it does make you kind yeah. of feel, I guess, pretty good. Yeah. Um, by the way, I'm, I'm also like a chipped tooth away from having zero dollars or uh, a sprained ankle or whatever. I have no insurance whatsoever. So. Well, don't suck on stage, and no one will throw anything. Yeah, I'm gonna, I walk very gingerly, and I can't play pickup <laughs> basketball anymore. Yeah, none of us can. Yeah, I didn't uh, think about that—the whole like no healthcare thing. There's no like union representation for comedians, making sure wages are. Yeah, no, there's none of that. So. Yeah, but at least you know, I guess, being having some success more recently, that you're not going to be the guy, you know, working at those open mics. Doesn't mean you can't still, but. Y- you have a little sense of security in the sense like all right if i keep working i'll keep working like perpetuates itself yeah i hope so i mean it's definitely a, a fear because like you only book so far in advance like after june i have no i'm out of show business starting in july i have no <laughs> nothing booked that's, so that's wild to if me. anyone here books a, a comedy club please uh have me in yeah, july get your list on there we have right. a party you know we have a, you do parties yeah i'll do parties <laughs> yeah i mean in july certainly july 4th uh, july party. So it is yeah. july 4th yeah. yeah i might do one for 50 bucks at this point so. uh, that's great 40 bucks in beer Great. I don't drink, no. but uh, okay. <laughs> I'll take I'll take sixty bucks, no beer. Okay, we'll call it a deal. We'll talk about. Well, that. you get to pick. We're gonna ask about that no turning back moment. It could be when you had those first, you know, you said seven or eight years where you were, you know, kind of uh, figuring things out, and maybe you didn't have that success yet, or you said more recently. But what was that no turning back moment where you realized? This is it. This is my life. It's interesting because, uh, and it sounds weird. I never. Thought I, I'm a very insecure person, and uh, I hate myself um, less so than I used to. <laughs> but I never considered doing anything else. I never had another plan. Early on, I was like, I thought I'd be a firefighter. My family's all firefighters. Oh, cool! And then I found out you have to be a paramedic to be a firefighter now in Massachusetts at least and that's people do stitches and I'm like I can't stitch someone up so that is just over that was like an end of that you're out yeah and I was like well I'm back to comedy again and um, since I started I've always just thought I'll just figure it out eventually I'll make it so there's never really been uh, consider I never allowed myself to think what if I don't make it because I always thought I was pretty good and had some potential or whatever even though looking back when I was 19 I looking what I was doing now if I look now at it, I was like, oh, that sucked. I sucked. I know. But at the time, I thought I was pretty good, and people told me I was good. So I always felt like I would be able to make it somehow, and that's probably just because that's probably more ignorance than it is confidence. <laughs> I was always just like, ah, I guess I'll just do this. Well, it's bliss when you don't think you can fail. Like Bill was saying, you know, for us doing the show, it's like in the beginning, the first season, no one knows about you. Nobody really cares about you. So try everything, and there's no way we could fail. I'll call him with an idea and say, hey, 
I'm going to email this club in Amsterdam. Maybe they'll uh, share our show. And he goes, go for it. Right. And I was like, I, I kind of wanted more encouragement than that, Bill. And he goes, no, what, what do you care? I'm sorry, Rich. It's a great idea. Go for it. <laughs> I love the idea also. Yeah, well, thank you. I, we love I, it. I already did. And they did share. It was kind of cool. But right. who knows? Like, there's, It's just an idea you have. It's just trying something, seeing if you fail. And by failing, it means like maybe nobody replies. Maybe nobody likes your right. <laughs> post. Right. I mean, you're getting a lot of love on Instagram. But like, can you even imagine what comedy was like? I mean, obviously, you can before social media. Yeah, it was strange. I mean, it's it's weird. I, I've d- I started doing comedy at a time where it's interesting. Like, I remember going to like road gigs and pulling over and using a payphone or asking for directions. So it's it's yeah. it's kind of strange. It makes me feel old and weird. Because, but just because technology moved so quickly. Yeah, yeah it moved past us that, for sure. Like, I have my first notebook. I have a seven-digit phone number in my notebook. It was like Chris Jones, eight five. So like, it was like long enough ago that we were using seven-digit numbers, and I remember like people leaving voicemails on my mother's answering machine. Like I didn't have a cell phone, so. And I have like um, somewhere I have like a shoebox full of like written out directions where like you would call the venue and be like, okay, make a left at Sunoco yeah. and shit. And now it's just like an address. I People. love. I still love that stuff. I, I had a thought to maybe get a house phone, but I don't want to pay for it, and I I don't want people calling me either. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Just to take messages. I don't know. You know, you get you you like fix your house up, or you're painting a wall, and you're like, you know, it'd be cool as if like the old phone, because I still have those memories. It, it'd be perfect right there. Yeah, there's something romantic about boiling, you know, spaghetti, and you get the phone under your ear and uh, on your shoulder, and there's a cord everywhere. And the kid's all wrapped up in the cord. Yeah. <laughs> he chokes and. Well, and and uh, kids learn. I'm not trying to say kids these days, but kids learn manners too. Like when you wake had to call your friend you call that girl for the first time dad's going to answer the phone that's how it works right, like dad right. or mom answer the phone you don't answer that phone and right. say mr and mrs so-and-so is so-and-so there can i talk to her and then he says no and hangs up, hangs up. yeah right right <laughs> yeah now i mean I'm, I've, I've been in a relationship for a while but like now being single is amazing we have tinder and bumble and, and texting i mean that stuff is beautiful yeah i could have used that well bill and i yeah we're both married but i mean i i went on my wife's my wife's newly singles girlfriend's tinder i don't even know if that made sense and i loved it and i probably broke all the protocol i was harding everything right. i was liking all the guys i was for like, her yeah i was like we're gonna find you somebody no it's fun but by, by the way i went through a girl's tinder as well using it and every picture of a man looks so douchey to me yeah, <laughs> every guy i'm like i hate this guy i don't know how you women do this but as a guy I, those are the people i responded to i was like she this guy has a cowboy hat on and you're gonna love him right right and there was all the guys at the gym taking the gym selfie with the with the cell phone in the picture like them she she was off within a week though because she got so many replies oh really yeah she's a nice looking girl yeah she did she every one of those guys replied to her <laughs> all my buddies we just do uh i mean not we I'm, I'm not one of them but everyone has like pictures with like conan because we've done like late nights and stuff so you take that picture of the end with conan oh, and it killed and people love it yeah like, how, do you you know, conan. how do you know conan i'm like, glad you asked and you're like don't worry about it come on over and i'll show you <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh man! <laughs> what do they call those things? They have like a life size, oh, like a wax museum. Yeah. Oh, like a yeah, yeah. Just, he's in your corner, just hanging out the house in the bedroom. My buddy did that. Conan. My buddy did that for his uh, his. He's looking at me like, I'm, yeah. My, my buddy's, that out, Rich. My buddy's college yearbook <laughs> is just him at a wax museum. So like you know you have like eight pictures for like your college, and it's like him with like Obama, and it's like him with, uh, or maybe it was Clinton back then, whatever it is. But it's yeah, like yeah. Michael J. Fox and Bruce Willis. Nice. Yeah. Well, we always try to go uh, a little inspirational in the middle. Can you think of like, and it could be a cool story though, like a funny one about like an obstacle, maybe just bombing something that like afterwards you were better for, but you know what I mean? Like, man, this story was at terrible. At the time, it was, At the it time, was like, oh was boy. a huge obstacle, but looking back, I'm, 
Yeah, I feel like I have a, sort of a plethora of those. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, there was one thing, like, I did Last Comic Standing um, oh, yeah, yeah. in 2010. I did it season, whatever that was, season seven maybe or six. Whatever it was. It was two seasons ago, but it was 2010. And um, I had just gone through, like, a big breakup. My, my world was shattered. My girlfriend left. She went to South America, and I was, like, devastated. We lived together. I was in love with her. Yeah. She moved away, and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life. I'm gonna, I, I, I got I to gotta kill myself. I hate myself. And then Last Comic Standing came to town, and I kind of auditioned for it. And it went well, and I moved on to, like, the next round. And then that was in New York, and it was, like, a sold-out show. And I crushed that one. I had, like, the set of my life. And then I was like the last guy, because they call you one at a time. You're like, you're going to Hollywood for the next round. Right, right. And I was like the last guy. They were like, the last guy moving on. And I got it. I went crazy. And uh, I looked into the camera and I wrote, I, I wrote, I said, I miss you, Becca, like into the camera oh. while, while I got my thing. And I was like, this is like a big moment. I'm like, I'm going to get her back. And I'm going to LA. And I was like, who needs that girl? I'm going to make it as a comedian. This is what I want anyways. So then I went to Hollywood and, and shot like the semifinals there. And I lost in the semifinals, but... I was like, well, I'm going to be on, on TV. All we, I, I remember emailing her being like, I'm going to be a minor celebrity. I just killed it on Last Comic Standing. I got a little surprise for you. Watch closely. <laughs> and, and then when the show came out, they completely edited me out of the show. 100%. I was oh. just gone out of the show. <laughs> like, you see my arm a couple times. And, like, I don't even know how they did it. They just made it so I just was gone. I was erased out of the show. And, like, she was in South America, like, watching it online. She's like, are you kidding? I don't see you anywhere. And I had told all my family and friends and posted on Facebook. And, like, I got all these calls being like, was this just, a, like, a, a hoax? Were you joking? And I was like, I swear to God, I was there. And it was, like, devastating. Because then I... Wow. She was still gone. So I lost my girlfriend and the TV thing. <laughs> and uh, it was, like, definitely, like, a low point in my life. And I felt like I was very resentful towards the industry or whatever. And uh, I remember thinking, like, oh, my God, this is, like, the worst thing. And okay, yeah. Yeah, and, but I kept, you know, like you said, like, I kept going because I had nothing, no other option. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? You know, I can't do anything else. So I just kind of kept going. And then eventually I kind of got redemption this last summer by going back to Last Comic Standing. And this time they aired me and yeah. I was in the finals. It sounds it. like a humbling experience, too, <laughs> like going back to the place that maybe you felt this way totally rejected from them or cut out. I mean, I don't even know how, like you said, how do they do that or why do they do that? I guess, I, I mean, for a long time I was very resentful towards NBC and Last Comic Standing and the industry, but then I think you realize that, like, you know, they have a lot of people and it's only a limited amount of time, and I, I kind of started going, well, I should have made myself more memorable, I should have done a better set, and I wasn't sure. that strong, and, you know, it's... It's not like um, I kind of got in a better place mentally where I'm like, no one is trying to be like, let's screw this guy over. There was a reason that they right. That's thought it wasn't, that, yeah. you know, it wasn't the best thing for the show. They're trying to make the best show. They're not trying to be like, you know what, let's, this son of a bitch just went through a breakup. Let's ruin his life. <laughs> let's crush his, so, crush his soul crush his some more. Yeah, yeah. Shatter those dreams a little bit more. I think you just got to realize like, oh, maybe it's on me more and stuff not being done to me. So. Oh, good lessons learned. Is there anything you did differently that second time around? Because it seems like you crushed it this past summer. Yeah, I mean, I was just a much better comic. I had five more years of sort of okay. focus and writing and working new stuff. And so I was just a much stronger comic and person generally. That sounds good. Cool. Yeah, that's a good story. Yeah. You know, we kind of skipped over it a little bit, but you have been on uh, Last Comic Standing. You recently did Conan, like you said. Maybe yeah. Did you get the picture with him? Uh, I don't know if anyone did. I mean, I guess you need a screenshot. I didn't, like, take a picture picture, yeah, but picture I think you could picture. screenshot it. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Somebody, actually, you know what? No, somebody did take a picture. It's on my Instagram, at Joe Comedy. And it's me. <laughs> it was, like, in the, right after the show, and I was kind of, like, he was leaning in, so I was, like, talking to him, like, 
because it's like, you know it's loud the crowd's clapping so there's a picture of me kind of like whispering in Conan's ear it's a, it's it's a real treasure it's pretty great yeah what, what's that ex- I mean it seems like you're performing all the time but what's it like to be in front of a camera that you know is going to go to millions of people who might be falling asleep watching you as, right. as they're going to bed you know is it it's interesting hopefully falling asleep after yeah yeah right after ah, yeah, right yeah, after yeah like a half hour after because they laugh so much. Um, <laughs> Uh, it, it's weird. I always just try to, whenever I've done TV, I've, I think I've done a good job of just focusing on the audience that's there and not worrying about um, the camera yeah, or who's or watching at home. It's gone. Yeah. yeah, because it's essentially the same as every other show. It's just an audience of people there, and you're telling the jokes that you've told before. So I kind of just try to focus on that. And uh, it's always been pretty good. I've actually had pretty like calm, enjoyable experiences on TV so far. Yeah. Um, because there is an audience people, and they're the best audience because they're fired up. They want to laugh. It's a big deal for them. Like the people in the audience at TV shows, this is the coolest thing they've done in a while. It's one of the best gigs you can do is on TV. So it's actually pretty... Um, you know, enjoyable and nice and not too nerve-wracking, I don't think. Yeah. As an audience member behind the scenes, we went to one of David Letterman's, not, not his last, last show, but we, you know, as somebody who has been in the audience, you stand in a line all day. Right. Waiting to just hope to get in. Then the weather started to get bad because it was January. So they bring us to a building across the street and they, you don't know what you're doing. They're telling you to line up a certain way. You don't know if it's height, order, age. Like you're, right. you could be separated from your loved one, and you're like, "That's fine. I'll just keep standing here." And then this guy comes out and he warms the crowd up. He actually said to us a thing about bed. He goes, "You know when you're watching Dave, and it's late in bed, and he says something funny, and you sort of nudge your wife a little bit. I want you to take that nudge. I want you to put your two hands together, and you go wild and crazy in that crowd." So by the time we got in, we were fired up. And right. I think on that show, it might have been. I think it was Donald Trump, and the crowd oh, wow. just went wild. It didn't That's matter cool. what was said. But being behind the scenes, you're right. That audience would have probably, I don't know, rushed the stage if they would have let them. You know? Right, it's, right. Yeah, it, it's a good show. Yeah, yeah, Letterman is definitely the best one because Letterman, that theater is set up for comedy almost, where it's like they're kind of, it's a theater as opposed to like Conan's more of a TV studio. Okay. Not more of, it is. It's, it's a studio, and yeah. so it's a little less um, like a theater. I mean, like Letterman the Ed Sullivan Theater is set up for the performing arts. I mean, it's pretty amazing. So. Cool. cool. So Joe's here in Buffalo recording a album. Yeah. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, it's for Comedy Central Records. I have a record deal, which sounds super cool. Um, really cool. And uh, yeah, I chose Buffalo. It's funny, this, this city, I was talking about this on stage last night. This is like the most insecure city I've ever been to. <laughs> you tell people you love Buffalo, they're like, come on, what are you talking about? You're right. I'm like, no, it's great. I really like it here. Because people keep being like, why Buffalo? But it's, it's a great club. I mean, if you guys... If you're listening in the Buffalo area, you have one of the best comedy clubs in the country. Yeah, take that to heart. Yeah. Uh, Helium Comedy Club. And um, so, yeah, I had this. We were trying to find a date and a place to do it. And this is like one of the best clubs there is. So I was excited um, that I, I was excited to work here. Um, so I had been here once before, back in 2013, opening for Nick DiPaolo. And it was just a great weekend. So I chose here. And we're recording. We did two shows last night, two shows tonight, which is Saturday night. Yeah. And... Um, just trying to get the best album and last night the early show Friday was great I'm hoping tonight's even better but uh, I feel like I have it and um, so then we're going to do some light editing and it'll be out on Comedy Central Records sometime in the summer on iTunes and all that crap and, great we'll uh, make sure we uh, in the summer we'll, we'll post a reminder yeah, to everybody yeah, yeah that'd be great for you as well to let, let everyone know that that's coming up that'd be great yeah it's exciting I mean you always want an album I grew up listening to comedy albums and stuff so it's fun to kind of contribute my own Work, not to sound pretentious, no, but uh, no, you it have feels to, cool. You know? Yeah, sort of self-promote. You know, speaking of your own work, if we sort of move this thing to look ahead, you said after after June, you know, the schedule is wide open. So, 
what vision do you have for yourself in the future, say next year, next five years? Uh, well, I just want to keep... My ultimate goal is to do stand-up comedy for people that came to see me as opposed to just came to see a show. Okay. Like now, I'm doing a show for, you know, maybe 10 out of 200 people came like we're gonna go see Joe List most people are like we're gonna go to a comedy show and then I just happen to be who is performing I see yeah the goal is to you know perform for a thousand people that are like we're going to the Joe List show as opposed to we're going to a comedy show yeah so I just want to keep kind of doing that um, I'm working my, my own podcast called Tuesdays with Stories and um doing that and trying to get that to grow and then my podcast partner Mark Norman and I were developing a couple of TV shows and trying to get those kind of sold and I'd like to have a, some sort of TV show and yeah, you know just keep plugging along I try not to get too far in advance because my head goes crazy I'm a mentally ill person so I'm trying no. to keep it it's, it's smart that's what's funny about yeah. you that's uh, <laughs> um, yeah so I'm trying to keep it sort of a day at a time just try to keep being a better comedian and keep working. Yeah. You're the first person we've talked to that has his own podcast. Oh, nice. And we always ask for advice in the future, and we'll get to that. But, you know, uh, how are we doing? I think this is great. <laughs> I'm loving it. Uh, I think it's great. Uh, they've got some babies crying in the back, and I feel bad yeah. about that. But, um, uh, no, this is great. And you have real equipment, and uh, you're nice, and you're listening. So those are all good things, I think. Well, no, thanks. Thank you. So, you know, and, and I was sincere when I asked for the feedback, because what we've been doing is trying to go to you. Like you mentioned... Um, you might be doing an interview and you're in a uh, radio studio one day, but then you could be in some guy's basement. Right, right. You know, if you're if you're willing to agree to the, the interview. Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff in comedy. Shows are like that, too. Where like, you're like, I'll do that show, and then you get there, and it's, you know, you're performing for a guy's parents and they're like recliners, and you're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, there's a lot of weird shit, you know? So. Yeah, I want to hear about that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, but uh, is there anything you want to plug about the podcast? You guys release weekly. Is it a usually featured guest? What, what's the makeup for people that are new to your show? It's a weekly podcast. It comes out every Tuesday. It's called Tuesdays with Stories. We have no affiliation with Tuesdays with Maury. We've never read the book. We're not Jewish. We All have right. no idea. So um, I've never even heard of it. So. Uh, oh, really? Oh, no. it's a big book. <laughs> Back yeah. off, Mitch really? Album. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Mitch Album wrote it. It's a, it's a, okay. it was a, he was with a, a friend of his that was dying. I know about the book. I just haven't read it. But anyway, it comes out every Tuesday, and sometimes we have guests. Usually it's just the two of us, and we kind of um, talk about our adventures on the road. Mark is right now single and just having a ton of sex. And the contrast is I'm engaged and I don't drink. So I'm like, uh, the one member one recently, he told a story about having a threesome. It was like a half-hour story, and then he finished, and I told my story about going to Joan Baez with my wife. <laughs> who, was the, who was the other guy? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It was uh, someone named... Uh, two other guys. Um, well, I mean, we're not judging. We're not judging. Yeah. So uh, yeah, it's just it's a, it's and it's a straight comedy podcast. I mean, we are. It's real silly and uh, also quite irreverent. Just to warn everybody, if they're gonna check it out. Yeah, ours is mostly clean, but this episode will be a, a little explicit. I know. You. Sorry. I said, so, sorry about that, Mark. Too, by the way, I don't even know you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, he's fine. No. Yeah, I didn't. I swore a couple times. I hope that's all right. Don't ah. bleep me out. You know, your path's been long, Joe. Uh, you've been uh, you know, doing this for, what, 16, 17 years? Yeah. Was there anything right before you got this success recently that you think was holding you back? Uh, well, for me, definitely it was uh, alcohol, If I not to get too serious. I mean, I was a, a drunk for a long time, and I think that really kept me from being uh, as successful as I could have been and have be sort of become. Not that I'm like, you know really crushing it but I'm, I told you you're famous I'm making, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm making a living now which I wasn't doing then but yeah I was I would drink real heavily I didn't really uh, like I would just finish my show and then just start drinking I never like listened to sets or wrote after right. the show or anything and then uh, I quit drinking about three years ago a little over three years ago and that has definitely changed my entire I mean my entire life but my entire approach and um, 
all that stuff. That's definitely been the biggest sort of, um, you know, bookmark in my career before and after uh, drinking and not drinking. You know, in this in this age of social media, have you ever compared the the, the sober Joe to the you know pre sober Joe in terms of the actual comedy? Uh, definitely, yeah. I mean, it's just become a lot more, I think, sort of personal and just more quality uh, where I'm kind of like before, I'd be like, well, that gets a laugh, perfect, it's done. And now I'll kind of tweak a little bit and add stuff. And I think it's become more personal and um, and just stronger. I, I, I'm a guy like, like, there's a lot of, there's like a whole um, sort of image of comedians are like these struggling, sad, weird people yeah. and they, you got to struggle to be a good artist. But like, I can only write and perform when I'm feeling good and happy. And for me, getting sober has helped all of my relationships, and that has made me a better, uh, in a better place mentally, which allows me to work harder and write jokes. Because I go, when I get in depression, I, I go in like a sinkhole. I can't even, yeah. I can't write. So it's better for me when I'm feeling good and That's happy. That's cool. That's a great. So. No, I appreciate the honesty because you know these listeners is a very you know these episodes you know just podcasts in general they're sort of personal. You don't listen with somebody else and look at them and smile. So right. it might be that guy or girl listening thinking. No, that's really cool. You shared that story because you know I'm kind of struggling with the same thing. Oh, good. Yeah, I hope I hope so, and I hope that uh, they get help or whatever because it's a great it's great on the other side. It's it's amazing. Yeah. A few years ago, uh, a friend of ours invited us to a it wasn't quite an open mic, but it was a, it was definitely nine or ten local comedians that get on stage. They have 10, 15 minute sets. They were hammered. Almost yeah, right. every one of them right. could barely talk. Right. And I, was, I, I mean, I get that that's supposed to be fun, and you guys are doing this together, and it's four hours long, but right. there's still a job to do. There's still 100, 150 people here, and not all of them, like, you know, but a good number of them were right. like, get off. Like, yeah. Just get off. Yeah, <laughs> get there the was, next person up there. Yeah, yeah, I did a lot of shows where I was, you know, blackout or repeating myself or slurring. Like, and uh, my first CD, actually, I'm funny, I'm doing my album. Like, my first album, I'm, I can. I'm like audibly drunk on it. I, I can hear anyways. I have like my Boston accent is coming out. I slur a couple of jokes. <laughs> so it's like, oh, it's so brutal to listen to. But um, yeah, there was definitely a lot of shows where I was too drunk to be on stage. Cool. I hear that. Yeah. Well, you know, final thoughts, anybody out there that's looking to, you know, kind of start their own thing, maybe take that next step. Maybe they're having some success like you and are looking to just, like you said, get to that next goal. Any advice you'd give to them to keep them going, inspire them? Yeah, I think uh, just try to uh, take everything one day at a time and, and kind of like, you know, focus on whatever it is you're doing and try to not get too discouraged or not get too far in the future in your head and just kind of do what you can. Uh, especially, I think, I mean, I, it's, it's hard for me to speak anything outside of comedy because I've never done anything. <laughs> but I think just kind of asking yourself, what can I do today to make myself more successful? And then worrying about that and not getting too far ahead of yourself. It's oh, great advice, too. Just reflecting on what you said, too. It's like we t keep talking about social media, but sometimes like posting that picture you wouldn't otherwise post or taking like like just a second to like reply to a, a fan, you know, instead yeah. of ignore a message. Maybe that's what you can do today. And then you got a fan for the next week, month, year. Yeah. You know, just something small like that. But also, too, somebody that's just starting out, you know, maybe hustle. You know, instead of going, hey, I want people to follow me, maybe follow some people, tell them they're doing a great job, put some love out there. You might, you know, get some love back. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with that completely. Yeah, I'd like to be positive just generally in life. Well, right, um, you know, like a, probably one of the biggest compliments to you might be another comedian coming up to you, taking the time to say, hey, that was a great set. You know, like maybe that happens once a week. 
but if you put it out there, do it, I don't know, three times a week, right? maybe you start getting that same love back. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, we should all be better people for sure. Well, Joe, we always like to end with you uh, plugging that social media, you know, one more time. Uh, where can people find you? At uh, Joe List Comedy on Twitter and Instagram. And then um, Comedian Joe List on Facebook is my fan page. Give that a like. And then Tuesdays with Stories every Tuesday on iTunes or... Um, wherever you find Stitcher I think wherever you find podcasts yeah absolutely cool. guys you know take the time right now to uh, you know uh, kind of click over like uh, like Joe online when you're over on the uh, iTunes app or the Stitcher app or wherever you listen you know subscribe to the show yep yeah this like been, it rate it yeah give it five stars write them, write them a review it helps uh, helps them raise them up the charts we know that yeah that's right. even Make if you sure. don't listen just give it a five star uh, yeah, review that's exactly right yeah. and I, I do feel like I should warn it's it's quite sexual and racy <laughs> and uh, so just viewer discretion yeah Joe thanks again for doing the interview this has been amazing we appreciate you you know saying yes coming out this morning meeting us for coffee well thank you I loved it it was great cool alright guys this has been another great episode of Guys Telling Stories podcast make sure you subscribe to our podcast you know you can head to our link at guystellingstories.com backslash iTunes and while you're over there subscribe to our show as well okay that's right alright I'm Rich Douglas I'm Bill Easton alright take care